share with you uh, something today. I tell this message, Live by Design, okay? And we'll talk a little bit about how God's designed you, how God designed us to live. And then I'm going to let you go so you can join a group today, okay? So you're going to have time to do that. You're going to say, I'm too busy, I'm too busy, I, can't, I don't have time. No, you're going to have time. We'll even get you home in time before the game starts. So you're, you're good to go. Probably can even get you some lunch before the game starts. I don't know. But we're going to help you out, okay, with this. I'm going to share a story with you, okay? And this is going to take a few minutes as I share some of my, a little bit of my story here. And, and when I do, it'll make sense as I go further. But for the first few minutes here, I'm just going to tell you a little bit of story about some things I remember. I got to do what a lot of people uh, don't get to do in life. You know, when I grew up, I grew up without uh, my dad. I lived with my grandparents. I, it was just a long story there on all the things. But my grandparents basically, they, they took me in and adopted me pretty much in, in the sense of they, they were my parents. I was asked the other day, my friend Pastor Jason, he said, when my grandmother came with me to the Israel meeting, he says, is this your mama? I said, well, yeah. I mean, she's my grandma, but yeah, she's my mom. He said, this is your mom. I said, well, yeah. I, I, couldn't, I didn't know if he understood what I was saying or if he misunderstood what I was saying. This is your mom then, right? I said, well, yeah, but this is my grandmother. I said, you understand what I'm saying? Like, she's, she's my mom, but you get it, right? Okay. So he, I don't know if he got what I was saying, but anyway, I just let him go because he's my friend, so I love him anyway. But I got to do what so many people don't get to do. People ask me, well, wasn't it tough growing up without dad and mom? I don't, I don't think so. I mean, uh, on one hand, you can say, yeah, there's some things here and there, but uh, I got to do what a lot of people didn't do in that I got to meet my great-grandparents. Most people don't get a chance to do that. There's very few people that do. I got to meet them so much so that my great-grandmother asked me when, it was, when she went on to be with the Lord, she asked me to do her, her funeral. And so that was pretty, you know, special, uh, although she threatened me um, that if it went any longer than five minutes, she would haunt me. I'm not making that up. She said that. She said that. And if you knew Evelyn, she was straight up serious. I don't know if she could work that out with the Lord, but she would probably, the Lord did send a spirit to, you know, terrorize, you know, Paul in the Bible. So I don't know if she could, could you send one of them for him too? Because he went longer than five minutes. So anyway, so anyway, it was freezing cold. And so I guess it worked out well outside. So I did what she wanted. But growing up, I got to go there all the time. I I remember seeing, meeting my great grandmother on my, my grandmother's side and both of my great grandparents on my grandfather's side. And we would go to my grandfather's uh, parents' house numerous times. We were there all the time. I remember, I still remember as a kid going there. And, and you'd appreciate this if you can think back like at certain times and how things have changed now. But I remember going there when I was a kid. I can't remember. Maybe I was between the ages 4, 6, 8, 10, somewhere in all those different ranges of time. But I would remember going there, and we would sit in the car. They would sit in the carport, and they would talk. Just sit and talk in the garage. It was down further south, Georgia, LaGrange. It's kind of nice weather, I guess you'd say, and we'd go, and there's stuff. I remember it's usually green when we went. Most of the time they would sit for, it seemed like hours. I would play outside, and I would be sitting there just chilling, talking, just talking. As if it didn't matter what time it was. I remember different things about going there. They would cut, and they would take watermelons. She would take watermelon and stick, stick in a wash tub, fill it with ice and some water. And after a couple hours, after we'd had sandwiches or whatever else, we'd go out to the back patio because that's where you did watermelon. Do it in her garage where the flies and stuff would come in. She'd bait you go out the back. So we'd go out the back on the back patio, and I remember my grandfather cut that thing. And I thought about that day. My grandmother showed me one of his pocket knives. I was thinking about this the other day. I said, Lord, have mercy. That man, he would cut that thing sometimes with a pocket knife of different parts. I was thinking, who knows what all he had cut with that pocket knife. But Back then, I didn't think about it. You know, it didn't hit me right then. But now, all of a sudden, I'm thinking about all that. You know, I live. But anyway, and I remember they cut that watermelon up in wedges, small pieces. And all of us, we sit around just eating watermelon. Just sit there. 
No agendas, nowhere to be. And the cool thing was the phone never rang because it was on the wall. If it did ring, you didn't hear it. No one beeped, buzzed, stopped, text, faced, whatever else there was. You just simply had watermelon. And nobody was worried about the type of watermelon it was, where the kids are going to choke on the seed. You just swallow the seeds. <laughs> nobody sued over the seeds. You know, you just you spat the seeds. They were, that was fun. I remember sitting there for, I don't know how much watermelon I ate. Ice cold watermelon, spitting seeds everywhere. I remember going there and helping after the winter was over in the first of spring because she had pecan trees. And we'd have to go out there on Saturdays. This is the routine. We'd drive down, typically on a Friday, get there Friday afternoon, Friday evening, whatever, talk in the garage for a little bit, everybody hanging out, just having little sandwiches for us in the evening because she didn't cook like all the time. It was like you late, what was in the left? She grew up in depression days. She was sincere about you don't waste stuff, son. One time I went out, and they were all picking tomatoes. I did my part. I picked tomatoes too. I didn't know you were supposed to pick the red ones. So I picked a big basket full of green ones. Not to be, see, it's what the difference in our culture right now versus back then. She's not going to throw them away. You know what she did? She said, you're going to eat every one of those green tomatoes. See, that sound, that's right. She sounded rough until she threw them in a pan and fried them up. Jesus has showed up. Do you know what I'm talking about? I hate red tomatoes, but I love fried green. Still today, my Lord, they're so good. She, and I ate so many of them things. I don't know how many I ate. I don't know if I ate all of them, but, but she wouldn't let things go to waste. I remember those kinds of things. Picking up sticks. We'd get there on a Friday afternoon. Go on a Saturday. We'd pick up, do yard work, pick up pecan tree sticks. I hated those things. Man, if you ever know a pecan tree, the limbs fall off. They go everywhere. They're real messy. A pecan tree is really um, a, a kind of a messy tree. We're constantly picking up these dead limbs, and we'd throw them in a pile, and we work our way around, do a little yard work here and there. Finish up the yard work, go have some sandwiches, sit in the garage, talk a little longer. Every now and then we might go to the mall, come back. I remember Sundays. Sunday's schedule was no, no joke, this was it. You get up in the morning, everybody's going to church. Didn't matter if you wanted to go or not. I didn't want to go to church today. Junior, nobody asked you. <laughs> Different world back then. Parents actually were in charge. Grandparents actually were given respect, especially great. You didn't mess. I don't care if she said, don't use that bathroom. Go find something outside. If she meant it, you don't mess. That woman, don't mess with great grandparents. They're crazy. <laughs> I mean, they seen a lot of stuff back then. Sunday schedule, we went to church. We would come back, have sandwiches, something, maybe something left over from the night before. Then... I remember this like just as clear as I can be. I was a young guy. TV would come on. There'd be the Masters. Just sitting there, I see all these green. I remember watching Jack Nicholas as a kid. I think this guy's awesome. I knew nothing about golf, just what I watched my uncle and my grandfather. Watching that, I'd see my grandfather fall asleep in a recliner. That night, I remember on that weekend, sometimes we'd play dominoes. Y'all know what dominoes is? Yeah. So I played dominoes watching Rudy. So when I played with my uncle one day, we were, he came down. We were all playing. Everybody's playing dominoes, and I'm doing dominoes like my grandfather did. He hold them like this. And Ricky's like, why are you holding them dominoes like that? You know, like, you think we're going to cheat? That's just what I saw Rudy do, which made me realize Rudy, what, he was a player. He didn't play around. Like, you know, he was playing for real. Like, 
He didn't set them up on the table. He held them like this. Like he was, it was a sincere thing. I remember playing dominoes. I don't know how many games we played. Because my great-grandmother wanted to play. You just didn't ignore and not do it. I remember all this. It took the whole weekend. And we drive back two and a half hours back. And why do I share all that with you? Because I wonder how many of us wish we could have some of that again. Like seriously, how many of you wish like the weekend would slow down again and I could just eat some watermelon without something going on and something crazy and hectic? Look around the room. Now, isn't that amazing how you all say that? And yet not probably very few of us do it. And I would like to just propose something to you and and hear it from the scriptures as to why. Because we live in a culture and a world now that we used to influence, but now they have influenced us. It's evident. I'm not cutting short, uh, services down shorter because people are complaining. I'm cutting short to do more ministry with groups and things like that. But it's amazing how people can't hang for a 35-minute message. But yet you can watch five hours of your favorite TV show, binge watch the weekend. Isn't that amazing? It's amazing. Just think about it. I'm not picking. Just think about it for a moment. Isn't it amazing how we say, well, I don't have time. I'm too busy. I can't do this. I can't do that. I can't do that. But yet, but yet, check the screen time. There's an app for that now. You know what I'm saying? Check your phone and see how many minutes you're on the cell phone. And then ask yourself, are you really that busy? I think for us, I think we used to influence the people around us, and now they've influenced us. We really don't look any different than they do. So busy which is what we all say. If you ask people today, what do you say? You say, hey, how are you doing? Most people say what? I'm. It's okay. Come on. We all say it, right? I say it too. How are you doing today? Well, I'm. Yeah, I'm busy, 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 busy. I'm busy, busy, busy. You know, I'm busy as a bee. You know, I'm just busy. People used to say what? When you ask them, how are you doing? They say, I'm doing fine, man. How are you doing? You talk for a minute, exchange conversation a little bit. No big deal. Now, when we say I'm busy, it it says this to people around us. We don't know, realize this is what we're saying. I'm, I'm busy. I don't have time to talk to you. Now, if I had told that to Evelyn, I'm too busy. I didn't ask you if you were busy. Sit down. We're going to play dominoes. Yes, ma'am. And if I had sat that phone on the table, you know what she would have said? Put that thing in the other room. And there wouldn't have been a conversation. I'm telling you, she's crazy. There was no conversation. Who knows what she would do to you? You know, you got to go to sleep at night, man. You better listen to that woman. But today, we think busy sounds like a promotive idea or that we're, we're busy, so we're important. I mean, look at me, I'm busy, so I'm, I must be doing something great. But busy doesn't mean it's better. That's not, that's what the culture says. So how about you? Let me ask you a question this morning. Share a couple of things from Scripture. How about you? And now, when I say this to you, I'm talking to me. Just pretend you're a mirror, okay? I'm looking at you. I'm looking at me. I'm preaching this to me as much as I'm preaching it to you. That's what I love about fasting and prayer and taking time the first year. It causes you to reflect on things. But how's the pace of your life? Do you have, if someone asks you, hey, we're going to have this group. want you to come be a part. We're going to eat watermelon one weekend. Would you be game for that? Uh, let me check my schedule. So how do you feel right now about the pace of your life? Do you feel imbalanced? 
Do you feel out of sync? And if so, there's a good reason you feel that way. It's God's way of saying, that's not my way. I didn't intend for you to be stressed, filled with anxiety, overworked, overstressed out, maxed out financially. Anything you can think of that is causing you to tip the scales in a, in a direction that's unfavorable to you, God did not create you or design you to work that way. That is not the way the Lord did this. He created us to live by his design, not the culture's design. And I will, I will submit to you, I'm just, as, I'm just as guilty as anybody else, okay? So don't think the pastor's preaching today going like, he's got it all together. No, I don't. I'm telling you the same thing. I'm, I'm working on stuff. I'm making corrections. Listen to what Job says. Job 9.25 says, my life passes away more swiftly than a runner. Have you ever heard this before? People say, oh, man, time goes by like that, right? If you ever hear your grandparents or great-grandparents say this, love on your kids now, enjoy them now because they grow up what? They don't grow up fast. They've grown up the same speed you grew up. Time is not moving in a different, like they didn't speed up time when it's what they've, their perspective has changed because they've seen so much for so long. They go, listen, this is going to go by quick. Don't miss some things. Listen to the advice of someone older. Job says, my life passes more swiftly than a runner. It flees away without a glimpse of happiness. Life is going to move fast regardless. Let me ask you a question. Do you have joy on the journey? Like, do you have joy right now? Or is it just trying to become what everyone else around you says you need to be in order to be happy? Isn't that funny how that God says he has a plan, a design where you can be happy, but the world says this is what you got to do to be happy. God says you don't have to do anything. Here's what I designed you to be. The world says you got to have this, you got to have that, you got to be this, you got to be here in order to be happy. God never said that. Time's going to move fast regardless of what you do. The question is, do we have any joy on the journey? So if we know we're too busy, then why do we do the same things over and over again without any joy? I think it's because, I mean, it's just us in here right now, okay? It's just us, right? Y'all listen. I think it's because... We've forgotten how to actually live. We think it's what everyone puts online. Oh, they took a picture of their home and it was like pristine, clean. And they've got all kinds of kids and dogs and cats and lions and tigers and whatever else they got. They got all this stuff. But everything seems perfect and in order online. But you weren't there before the picture got taken. I mean, you know, Brad Paisley's got a song about being online. You go look it up and listen to it. He says, online, I'm out in Hollywood. I'm six foot five and fine, and I'm doing real good. But in real life, I live in my mama's basement. Because you don't know what people are putting online. They can tell you they're all kind of big and sexy, but online, maybe they ain't. Think about it. You're not there. But we're trying to chase after something that we can't even attain. It's not real. I think we've forgotten how to live. I think maybe it's because we have too many choices. Have you gone by the supermarket aisle lately? I noticed this. I just was walking by thinking, my goodness. Walk down the aisles and see how many different types of things there are. There used to just be baby wipes. You know, now there's baby wipes with aloe. Baby wipes with no aloe. 
hyperallergenic baby wipes. Baby wipes with no PHB. What is that? I don't know. Are they in the other way? Should I buy these? Should I buy those? I don't know. And like you spend 20 minutes trying to figure out what baby wipes are best for the bottom of my kid's poopy diaper. It's insane. You go through that. I was trying to find one thing for Haley over the, uh, the Thanksgiving or Christmas um, holidays. And there was a certain type of chili she wants to make this dip she makes. And I was trying to find. And they now make. There used to be one can. You pick it out. It was Hormel chili. That was it. You'd have to check it. Beans and no beans. That was it. They've got turkey. Turkey with white meat. No white meat. Fat meat. There's like five different types of Are you kidding me? I had to call her. Which one is it? And she didn't answer. And so I picked one. I got the wrong can. And it wasn't the same. You know, y'all hear you. I got you. I got you. She sent him to the store too. It's too many choices. I mean, we're trying to look at some stuff right now. We're going like, how many choices? There's so many. So you're spending all of your time trying to figure out, is this the best? Is it? Used to be, you went to the store, you picked out a watermelon. You stuck the thing in a wash tub, and that was the end of the story. Now, they're seedless. There's watermelon with no whatever. There's three, four types of watermelon. My point is a lot of choices. I think there's too much pressure to say yes. Now, here's the difference between what we're doing with groups and the pressure to say yes out there and everything else. You need Christian relationships. If you're ever going to get out of this rat race, you need it. Bottom line. If you don't have it, the world will take you for a ride you don't want to be on. So, it should be easy to say yes to build God's kingdom. When people ask you, hey, you want to volunteer in the church? It should be, yeah. It shouldn't be, I'm too busy. Then there are things out of whack. To give just a 30, 45-minute hour to the Lord on a Sunday to serve, I just don't understand why we can say, I'm just too busy. I'm, t- I'm challenging you now. Something's not right. The pressure to say is, well, I got to be over here. Well, I got to be over here. I got to be at stuff too today. It's things that we're committed to, but I don't commit to everything. I've learned to scale back. And guess what? It makes some people upset, but what's more important, that you do what God has designed you to do or to try to be what someone else wants you to be? Which one is it? You've got to be what God. So it's the pressure to say yes all the time. And the pressure to keep up. It used to be, remember, the pressure to keep up with the Joneses. Remember those people, the Joneses? I'm just trying to keep up with the Joneses. Well, now it's the Kardashians. <laughs> the Joneses were like middle class, baby. Now we, got, we, we kicked it up a notch got to try and be what everybody else is being and try to have what they have and the financial pressure to have all you want now to be everything you want to be now versus what old school people used to do my great grandmother would have done my grandparents did they saved it my grandfather used to pick up pennies I'd be like, why are you picking up? It's worthless. It's not even worth the money, the metal they, they put it on. It's not worth it. He'd say, pennies. See how he said, pennies make nickels. Nickels make dimes. Dimes make quarters. Quarters make dollars. I think that was the dumbest thing I ever heard in my life. Till I realized, he's a lot smarter than what I thought he was. So now I find myself telling my kids things like that. Isn't it funny how the world will say, do this? I mean, how many times have you seen it? I'm just going to meddle a little bit. Let me just, just take five minutes here. On the stores down the street down here, there, if you do this, I'm not picking because I don't know you. I don't, if you're doing this, I haven't seen you there, so don't. Six months, rent to own, couches, 
you do realize that after that six months, those couches are worth a third, maybe half of what it was when you bought. And so the culture used to save and then buy. We just go buy, and then it's not worth what it was when we bought it. We're still paying for it. The pressure just to keep up with the Kardashian lifestyle or the Joneses, whoever you pick. It doesn't matter who it is. It's all this pressure to be something God never intended us to be. And so, because God didn't design us to run this way, he designed us to do different things. I personally think, and this, Haley and I are talking about some of this, I think that in order to make a change, it would take some pretty radical decisions on our part to really look different than the world. Pretty radical. I mean, it just would. You know, to say no to different obligations you felt like you have to be at when really you don't. But they're not going to like me. Well, they may not, but at least you'll have to go home with peace. At least you'll have some extra time with your family. So listen to, listen to what Luke 14 says. And I think this is maybe a misunderstanding. So listen, Luke 14, and verse 5, says, Jesus turned to them and he said, Which of you doesn't work on the Sabbath? They were messing with him about working on healing people on the Sabbath. He said, which of you, don't, you know, doesn't work on the Sabbath? If your son or your cow falls into a pit, don't you rush out to go get him? So Jesus was saying, if, if you have to work on a Sabbath, and that doesn't mean in their generation, culture, that was Saturday, and ours it's called Sunday, but technically Sunday is not the Sabbath. You know, you need to have the day that you don't work that's set aside where you can, you know, doesn't always be on a Sunday or a Saturday. A lot of people work on Sundays. A lot of people work on Saturdays. You just got to figure it out. But he said, if you got something in the pit, don't you go out and get it, even if it's on the Lord's holy day? They said, well, yeah. They didn't answer him, but that's, yeah, of course we do. But I think what we do is we live out of that pit. Like, we constantly live out of there. Something's in the pit. I got to go do it. Something's in the pit. I got to go do it. I got to go do it. Not everything that's in the pit needs to be got out. Some things can just stay till next week. I'm starting to learn that a little bit more. That's not that important right now. This is more important. I'll need to take care of that. See, and so we're living out of this pit of, I've got to do this. I've got to be this. I've got to have. And God says, I don't want you to live out of a pit. I didn't intend for every day to be the day that you give everything you got to everything else. I want you to live out of peace. Now, every one of us pretty much raised our hand and said, I wish I could get some of that weekend watermelon time again, something like that. I wish I could have some of that time. Like, isn't it funny, though? We all are asking, saying that we wish we could. The only people that are stopping us from getting that is right here. We bought into a lie that says we've got to be, we've got to have, we've got to do, and it's killing us. So do you feel convicted yet? I do. I do. So, Ecclesiastes chapter 4, verse 6 says this, Better to have one handful with quietness than two handfuls with hard work and chasing the wind. Now, don't overlook the simplicity of what I just said there in that, that verse of Scripture. Better to have one handful with quietness than two handfuls working really hard, trying to be and trying to do and trying to have and chasing wind. Something about folks that have one handful they have watermelon on the weekends. I noticed that. I started thinking about it. Man, there's something to this Bible that God says is my word that is really true. Better to have one handful in quietness 
versus two. Oh, I got to go. I got to be. I got to do. I got to have. But if you just had one handful, you might have quietness. Interesting thought. It's better to have less of what does matter than more of what doesn't matter. Think about that again. It's better to have less of what does matter than more of what doesn't. It's better to have enough and enjoy it more than never enjoy it. You know, we think, this is how we think. Well, if $1 is good, then $2 is better, right? That's how we think in America. If one car is good, then, come on, we know the answer, right? Two cars is going to be better, right? Right? If one kid is good, come on, then two kids has got to be, uh-oh, <laughs> yeah, we're going to hold it down right there, huh? So, so you just see what I'm saying, in America, we think that we have more, the better, the more, the better, the more, the better. And kids are a blessing. You know, I'm kidding. Some of you got kids. Mommy, you don't think I'm a blessing? No, of course they do. Huh? They think you're a blessing. They're just sweating right now. That's all. But we think that way. If I get this and I get another one, it's got to make it better. It doesn't always make it better. Not every time. Not every time. We run best with a God-given design, not cultural-driven demands. God gives us peace. So listen to Proverbs 17, verse 24. This is how the, I think it's a good news translation, a little different version than I read, but listen to how it explains it really well. It says, an intelligent person aims at wise action, but a fool, listen to this, a fool starts off in many directions, can't get focused, can't decide on anything. Well, I think I'll do this. Well, I think I'll do that. Well, I think I'll do this. I think I'll play that. I think I'll do this. I think I'll do that. I think I'll, and then we come home, I'm tired. Well, I wonder why. Because we're running like crazy with no focus in one direction. Because it seems like if we focus on one thing, it's not as much as what everybody else does. So we're not as cool as them. You know, in athletics, if you look up and study great athletes, you'll find this out. Very, very few have ever been able to do what like a Bo Jackson did. There are not many people who are multi-gifted. Yes, some can play this and pick up that and play this and play that. There's a reason why Michael Jordan went back to basketball. He wasn't all that in baseball, he found out. But he was the man with a basketball. Tiger Woods, I ain't seen him out on the hockey rink. Now, he looked like it one year, but you know what I'm saying? He, he ain't been back down that road and all thing. But the man is, he's crazy with a golf club. Like, goes in back surgeries, comes back and beats the pants off of him. Who does that? Because he's really good at something he's focused on. You don't see him out there cooking on TV, run over here and run track and do that. He's focused on one thing, the thing that he's gifted in. I think God gives us this. If we chase the wind, trying to keep up with the Kardashians, trying to be this and trying to be that, it's not working. And God gives each one of us in here right now, listen, the freedom to have peace. And how do you do that? By running our own race. You're designed by God with something that I'm not designed for. Some even in this room do certain things that I don't do. And I wouldn't even enjoy it if I did. I love you, but it's not my thing. Just like some of you, if I pulled you around, walk with me for a week, you'd hate what I do. Because it's not, you're not wired for it by God. But whatever God gifted you to do, be the best you that He's created. Don't be your neighbor. You don't even look like them. Why do you want to act like them? You know, you might be grateful you don't look like them. I don't know. 
But don't try to be like something. God, God made you unique and created you to have a purpose. So Hebrews says, verse, chapter 12, verse 1, he says, let us strip off every weight that slows us down, especially the sin that so easily trips us up. Now, that could be, you could think of really bad stuff, but it could be just distractions. And Paul says, let us run with endurance the race God has set before us. What did God give you? What did he intend for you to run with? Maybe you're not Tiger Woods. That's okay. That's all right. What did he give you to do? What did he create you for? <clears throat> so here's what I'm doing this month, and I want to challenge all of us with this. To sit down, take the time as you fast, as you pray, as you read your Bible, and take some inventory of what you're doing. Do you know what I'm talking about the inventory? Inventory is where, you know what, when you pull up at your fast food restaurant that you're fasting from right now, or whatever you're doing, and you see the big truck outside, don't go and pick up food from there that day. Because what they're doing is they're unloading a ton of food and stuff, and you're going to wait for 20 minutes on your food because all these people are unloading trucks. When they go inside, they take inventory of what they had on the shelf, what they just bought, and they reconcile the total. Inventory. What do I need? What do I need to stop buying? Like if you've got five boxes of grape jelly, you don't need to order more jelly, right? Because you're not using it, so you don't buy the grape jelly. Here's an idea. If you're committed and overextended right now, you don't need to commit to anything else. Something needs to come off your plate. And see, I know some of you think, well, see, you just helped me out, Pastor. I'm too busy, so I can't do a group. No, what you need to do is unload something off your life. If you can't be in a Christian relationship, I hate to tell you this, you got too much grape jelly in your life. You need to unload something. Because God did not intend you to be so preoccupied that you can't have fellowship with the brothers and sisters in your local body of believing church. So how are you doing this? This is what I'm doing. Psalm 139 verse 23 says, Search me, O God, and know my heart. He already knows your heart, by the way. What you're asking for him is you're giving permission to talk to you about it. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. Why am I anxious? Why don't I have peace? Why can't I just go sit out back and eat watermelon? What's wrong with me that I'm so anxious that I cannot sit outside for five minutes? It tells us there's something not right. Check my anxious thoughts. Point out anything in me that offends you, O Lord. And watch this. Lead me along the path of everlasting life. And to hear from God to do that, there's got to be enough quiet to do it. So the last thing I'll share with you is this. In 1 Kings 19, verse 11, you know the story. You've probably read this before or heard this. But <clears throat> Elijah was in the midst of a troubled time, let's just say. He's found himself in a cave and he's crying out to God, and he's talking about different things. And the Lord says to him, verse 11 of Kings, 1 Kings chapter 19, verse 11, it says, Go out and stand before me on the mountain. This is what the Lord is telling Elijah. And as Elijah stood there, the Lord passed by, and a mighty windstorm hit the mountain. It was such a terrible blast that the rocks were torn loose. Watch this. But the Lord was not in the windstorm. See, we like to think God's in all the big, loud stuff. I hate to tell you. Most of the time, he's quiet. Funny what all you hear when it's quiet. You can hear all kinds of things that make you nervous. So Elijah was there 
The Lord wasn't in this big, loud wind. After the wind, there was an earthquake, but the Lord wasn't in the earthquake either. And after the earthquake, there was a fire, but the Lord wasn't in the fire. You know, sometimes we get so worried. You know, I get excited and stuff too, but I mean, God speaks to me when it's quiet. He does, I don't get a whole lot of stuff from God when I'm getting a, ah, you know, He says this, and after the fire, there was the sound of a gentle whisper. And when Elijah heard it, he wrapped his face in his cloak, and he went up and stood at the entrance of the cave, and a voice said, what are you doing here, Elijah? It's a good question, I think, right? The Lord is in the whisper. Can I ask you a question? What are you doing here right now? Elijah got this word from God, and it sent him to go prepare the next preacher that came after him in Elisha. He would have never heard that had he been so distracted by all the stuff around him. And sometimes, listen, don't mistake the loud earthquakes and windstorms and fire and think it's God. Not every loud thing that comes your way is the Lord. Not everything's, oh, this is great. You better jump on this now or you're not going to have time to, I don't know if that's God. Anytime I feel pressure, like I got to, I got to, I got to, I got to make a decision right now. Well, something, it's just something not right about that because God leads. I've never been pushed by the Holy Spirit. I've always been led. So what are you doing here right now? What if God wants to speak to you and say, I want you to have a quiet life. I want to help you have a weekend with watermelon again. What would that look like for you? How could that happen? Is it possible we might have to cut out certain things in order to gain peace and control again? We may look weird to people. It may be that you look totally different than the rest of the people around you. Might not be a bad thing. They might say, why are you so happy? Well, I don't do like 50% of what you do. So I'm eating watermelon this weekend. You want to come over? And they're going to say, I can't. I don't have time. Uh, uh, let me check my schedule. Uh, I can't. I can't. That's what they're going to do. And you're going to watch them and go like, good gracious, was I like that? And you're going to be thankful that you made some changes. So right now, I want you to close your eyes and bow your head and let the Lord speak right now. Because God speaks in a whisper. So you're here and you say, hey, Pastor Jody, I really do want to make that change. Man, I'd love to have some peace. I wish I could have just a time where I could sit down and have watermelon on the weekend like that. Just to wait for a tub to get cold enough for watermelon is a stress for most people. What, how could I do that? Well, I could give you a lot of ways and hows and what to do. I think the best thing to do is let the Lord speak to you. What is the Holy Spirit saying to you? I know what he's talking to me about, but that's me. I can't speak for you. I think if all of us in this room took a little bit of inventory right now and said, we all raised our hands and said, we want that peaceful weekend or just a peaceful day. I just want some peace. Then the only true answer that would come next is to take inventory and ask yourself, what is God not in right now? How many earthquakes, fire, and windstorms are going around our lives that are not orchestrated by Him? And how do we get back to that peaceful, quiet voice? So Father, I pray in Jesus' name right now for everybody in this room. Lord, I pray for a quietness in their heart. I pray for a sensitivity to your spirit right now. I pray in the name of Jesus that you would speak. God, help us to shave off things of our life. And today I pray in Jesus' name that you give every person in this room the strength to attend a group 
God, to make that a, a goal of their, their next couple of weeks, God, and to lay aside other things that are taking up time so they can have Christian relationship and grow and become who they've called, you've called them to be. And I pray, Lord, if there's anybody here today that doesn't know you, I pray in Jesus' name right now, they would turn their life over to you.